Coming up, the Celtics-Lakers finals has gone up in smoke. That's next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Monopoly Go. It's halftime and the scoreboard's not looking good. You're not sure you can pull out a win? That's when you say to yourself, it's time to get back in the game. Pull off some bank heists and take as much of my friend's money as I possibly can. That's right. The hit mobile game, Monopoly Go, lets you compete with your friends to be the biggest tycoon ever. I might do this with my high school friends. We used to play Monopoly all the time. It's the Monopoly you love, but on your phone anytime with tons of new twists, including leaderboards to compare your progress. There's so much to do. Play on countless dynamic Monopoly boards. Make your friends bankrupt by smashing their landmarks with a wrecking ball. Charge other players rent for your iconic properties. Maybe you'll even play against me. I'm great at Monopoly. You could even work with your friends to crack open community chests and in tournaments to get extra rewards. Get back out there. Put on your game face. Download Monopoly Go. Now free on the App Store or Google Play. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where I put up a new episode of the Prestige TV Podcast tonight. We covered episode nine of Succession, one of the best episodes in the history of the show. Me, Sean Fennessy, Joanna Robinson. And you can check that out. It was a lot more entertaining than the Celtics game tonight. Ryan Rosillo is here. We're going to break down Miami going up 3-0 on the Celtics. The Lakers falling down 3-0 to the Denver Nuggets. We're headed for a Miami-Denver finals unless somebody has the 2004 Red Sox comeback in them. I doubt it. It's all next. First, our friends from Pro Jam. All right, taping this a little before 8 o'clock Pacific time on Sunday night. The conference finals have gone into the dumpster. Ryan Masillo is here. The Celtics are down 3 nothing. The Lakers are down 3 nothing. We're headed for a Denver-Miami series that I think is going to be awesome. Like, if you're an actual basketball, everyone's going to do the TV ratings thing, oh, Denver-Miami. But as an actual basketball series, Denver-Miami, with the way this Miami team is playing, is going to be great. Jokic is the best player in the world right now. And yet we're going to start on a somber note with the death of the 2023 Boston Celtics. It seems so promising a week ago. Last time you were here, we were coming off the uh, Game 7 Sixers series with a two-parter. And within a week, the Celtics run is over. There's probably going to be some major changes to this team. And even more disturbing than anything, Rosillo, it was a rollover. This was a rollover from really the beginning of the third quarter on, but you could even say it was going back to the second quarter. Uh, This is a team that looked like they just wanted to get out of there. And Miami's punking them. They're talking to them. Butler's talking shit this whole series. Nothing. No response. This This was awful. Not good. Not good, Bill. Uh, 
I thought they were mailing it in in the second quarter. I mean, that's when I first started writing down, like, is this really going to happen? Are you guys going to go out like this? Because I feel like I don't care who you are. Somebody makes a run. And they get down 10 at the end of the first quarter, and you're kind of expecting that run to come, and then it just never happens. I mean, there's a bunch of basketball stuff that we can get into where, you know, Derek White gets switched on a butler. It happens way too easily. Teams do it all over the NBA where they get themselves in a really dis- uh, uh uh, I would say massive disadvantages on switches. Um, but to see them complain the whole game, Smart starts going into his routine. Tatum looks out of it. Jalen took a shot with 11 seconds left in the shot clock after an inbounds. Oh, you from put like that on 30 Twitter. Feet. Yeah, he's just kind of standing there and seemed like he ran out of ideas pretty quickly. Just jacked There's 11 up. seconds left on the shot clock. And he's like, ah, eh, whatever. Um, so both of those guys were terrible. And to to go down, like, it's one thing about how wrong I was, comically wrong about the Heat, which, I, you know, we're going to get to all this stuff, but to see a team down 2-0 that's supposed to be talented, because I still think they are, to just feel so lifeless. Like, it's an, truly, like, it's historically embarrassing for how bad they look. Yeah, from a talent standpoint, especially if you take out Tyler Hero, and you just went player by player, and you take out Butler and Tatum, and then you just go on down the line after that. It's pretty rough for the Heat on paper, and yet Caleb Martin was better than Jalen Brown this entire series. Jalen Brown, that was one of the worst games he's ever played today, ever. And I've watched most of them. Um, and after was, uh, one of one of his worst in game two. And he was really bad in game one, too. He had six turnovers. Um, he was just awful. And, you know, it, there's big picture stuff here with the Celts that I want to get into because... Sometimes I think a team's trying to tell you something when they have a game like that. I think it goes beyond just, oh, we got our ass kicked. You come out of game two where Jimmy is just asserting his manhood on them in all these different ways, right? And you think, oh, how are they going to respond? And the response is to roll over. It makes me wonder, is this group kind of run its course? Because we've seen this happen. I've seen this happen with the Celtics before. I've seen this happen with other NBA teams before. This team's had a really good run with the Tatum Brown combo, even dating back to you know, making in the 2018 Eastern Finals. They made the Eastern Finals in 20. They made the finals last year. They made the Eastern Finals this year. But the nucleus, and we'll get to the coach stuff too. That's a whole other can of worms. But just this nucleus, is this kind of as far as it goes with this? On top of the fact that you're going to know Jalen Brown with the All-NBA thing that he got, he is now potentially a $50 million a year guy. So you're basically saying, Tatum and Brown, I have to be positive. This is the combo. I'm going to be spending $100 million plus a year in the salary cap era with real penalties once you go past a certain threshold. Are these the two guys? Can these two win a title together? And this is, today was the first day, as you know, I've been on this pod a million times and I've always said, I never want to break these guys up. I want to ride these guys. I love these guys. I love having them in Boston. Today was the first day where I'm like, does it make sense to have $100 million a year plus for both of these guys. So do you want to do this now then? Yeah, let's do it now. Let's fucking do everything now. That's, that. like the coach stuff, that's going to be easy. The coach isn't going to stay. Right, I, think, I just want to make sure. I think sure, that gets flipped. I just want to make sure, you know, we, we spend a good five minutes on how impressive this Miami thing is. But I, I'm, I know we're already in tear it down phase. I remind everybody during these times, after games like this, this is probably the worst time to start planning anything because it feels so bad. Um, you know, look, I've 
I always thought the Jalen Tatum thing in 18 and then in 20, it always felt a little ahead of schedule. You know, remember there was that stretch of like Brad Stevens where it's like, how come he can't get out? You know, and I was like, honestly, like, I'm shocked they're even in it to be, to be honest with you. And like 20 was a better team, but they couldn't handle Bam. Um, there was a better team than I would say the 18 team is, is the point that I would yeah, make. Yeah, I agree. 20. Uh, 18 was just kind of like fun because you're going, wow, you know, this is, this is crazy. They're in a game seven with LeBron. And no and Kyrie. And, right. And no Kyrie. And he, he couldn't show up because he had a, he had a dental thing, I think. He had a surgery. But, um, he had an elective you know, when, surgery. <laughs> right. Right. When, when it was bad last year, right. When it was that January point where you and I'd be texting and, you know, we're doing the pod too, but we're texting and I'm going, I don't even like watching. Like when I go on my league pass, who wins the the TV over here? I've gotten to the point where like, I don't really want to watch them anymore. And it, it felt hopeless. And it was the first time I'd ever thought like, maybe those two guys aren't going to click together, which doesn't make any sense because they're both so talented. They're both so young and you want wings. You want these wings that can do a bunch of different things offensively in theory, hold up switching defensively. Like, that's what every team wants. And well, and then you see a potential finals with KCP and Austin Reeves and Duncan Robinson and Max Struess and Caleb Barton. And it's like, maybe we're overrating wings. Maybe they're easier to find than we're giving it credit for. Well, that's a whole different topic because what Miami's doing is so special. Like, I was trying to find it this morning where, and I couldn't find it. I was like, has any team ever made the NBA Finals with a negative point differential? I don't think there has been one. Uh, yeah, you I texted you the 78 bullets. Yeah, they, they were under one, but they were still 44 and 38, and they were 0.9. That's got to be the closest. No, uh, Houston, I found in 81 when Moses was still there, they were 40 and 42. But they made the finals. They lost to the Celtics, but they were still a plus point three. And so yeah. you have Miami, who was the fourth worst shooting team from three in the NBA. They were the worst offense of any of the teams going into the playoffs. They had a negative point differential. The Atlanta game alone, where I thought they would beat the Hawks because they bottled up Trey so well in the playoffs last year because they're just so smart and they had a great game plan, but they get destroyed on the boards. And then against Chicago, I was like, look, you know, Chicago's okay, but. You know, why wouldn't they beat them? And then everything happens. Well, heading still- into the fourth quarter of that game, it seemed like Chicago was going to win. I went back yeah. and looked at that box score. Gabe Vincent had zero points in that game. He played 27 minutes. He put up a goose egg. He had 29 tonight. So when I look at how special this is, because, you know, a lot of it turns into, like, I'm not saying you're going there, but it's a bit of, like, wait, are we doing it wrong? Have Have we been looking at the way NBA rosters are built with all of these undrafted guys, has Miami actually figured something out that nobody else has figured out? Have we prioritized stars? No. Like, yeah, we should prioritize stars, but it doesn't mean that this is the way now. Right, this is not a this recipe. Is, I mean, we'd, I'd need more than one season of data before I'd start going, everyone building teams to start trying to do this. Now, you definitely want to figure out whatever it is Miami's doing with some of these two ways undrafted and, and every one of those scouts, every team should be trying to pick one of them off and double their pay because they keep doing this. But what Miami is doing is so special, but it can't be special and you should have seen it coming. <laughs> it, it can't be It can't well, be both things. And, and for me, it's that special that they're a game away from playing in the NBA Finals with this regular season profile. And without Hero. Yeah, the Celtics were minus without 600. Hero. And to your point, Love 
which, you know, again, I'm, I, you know, we get on the broadcast, it's probably a little too much, but Love leaves the game and they're desperate for any rotation, guys. Struess's ankle was screwed up twice in game two and then it happened again tonight. And I'm going, are they going to be down to six guys plus Zeller? Like maybe Boston will fight, like they'll be down 20, but this group will be so tired. And you think there'd be some temptation of Boston to be like, just stay in it, stay in it, keep, you know, keep it at 15, keep it to 18, stay yeah. in it. They're going to get tired. They're going to get tired. And instead, Boston showed you a team that I can't even believe they turned it around last year. Because, like, you know, to get back to the Jalen and um, and Tatum point here, I'll make this quick. Like to start suggesting like, OK, you got maybe you break them up. Do you want to pay Jalen all this money? There's there's more to this. But. This isn't some really talented team that has given us no reason to trust them. Their turnaround last year was part of their trust. I didn't think they were going to beat the Warriors. I don't think it was a coin toss series, but they still were in the NBA Finals against the Warriors. They beat Milwaukee down 3-2 with Tatum going for 46. They were down 3-2 this year to Philly, who, again, none of us think are great. But they're talented. They're problems on the right night right. against Philadelphia. That they at least showed mental toughness. Right, and then Tatum gets 51 in a game seven. So you're going, okay, how did this happen? How did a team that has given us multiple examples to buy into who they are with some recent history, how does it happen that they look anything like that three games into this one, and especially tonight? Well, you mentioned last year. So things turned like, like late January, and they have this really nice run where they're playing defense so well that at some point we started talking about them versus the 04 Pistons, remember? Remember we were having those like compare and contrast? Like that's how good defensively. Is this the most dominant young defensive team that we've had in the league in 20 years? It was a real conversation. Um, I remember you having it more than I did. I, well, I, I brought, I would, I was asking you who, who was better since the 04 Pistons and we were listing teams and it was like, ah, 11 Dallas. Like we had a couple, but it, the way the Celtics were playing, it was up there. And then the start of the season this year, and everything flipped in that Golden State game. When they had that first game, when they went to Golden State, it was around game 25 of the season. And there was a lot of talk about, you know, we learned a lot. Now we want to win the title. That was such an important experience for us, but now we know what it takes. And Golden State just punched them in the mouth and, and beat them pretty handily. And that was a really bad sign. And since then, it's been a bunch of... of of really bad signs. Is this the coach's fault? A lot of 10-point leads being blown in the fourth quarter. A lot of times where they seem disconnected, some dueling banjo, your turn, my turn. But the biggest thing, Rosillo, was the defense went sideways. And that was the thing from tonight that was really, really, really alarming. It was alarming in the first two games, too, because they seemed so mystified with what to do against Butler. But today was, you know, the, today was a layup line crossed with wide open threes. I mean, it, it looked like a team that quit. And for the announcers to talk about that, Barkley, who Barkley will say some stuff during halftime. He was so disappointed at halftime, right? Then it goes to the third quarter. And Stan Van Gundy, you don't hear announcers, especially ex-coaches, say this, but he's like, it looks like they've quit. And because they did. So to me, that's a team telling us this isn't working. And you could say that's the coach's fault. And if you change the coach, it's all fine. But this has now happened two years in a row because it kind of happened against the Warriors too. Those last three finals games, same thing. They kind of rolled over. At least they had a little more fight in that finals. But by game six, it's kind of done. They were out of answers. This one, they're out of answers two games into the series. I mean, the, the, the Butler repeatedly getting White switched on to him so he could torch him. 
and the Celtics having no answer for that, this is like basketball 101, you know? Like, Missoula not bringing back Rob at the end of game two when that high screen was like the most successful thing they had. And he just, we never see Rob again. Today, I don't know what happened to Rob. He just got two fouls and that was it. But there was no rhyme or reason to the decision-making, to the strategy. Grant plays zero minutes in game one, plays 26 in game two, right? They start white today. Oh, I thought we, I thought we found ourselves with the big lineup. Now we're going back to Derek White in the starting lineup. It's a team that was just like throwing shit against the wall. I, I honestly thought it was embarrassing. I thought Rob Williams and Grant Williams were the only guys that had any fight in them tonight. I, I really did. Agree. You know, like the second half, I'm like, at least these guys are giving a shit. You know, there was a Marcus Smart play where Tatum got him on a seal in the post where he just kind of lobbed it up to him and Smart just decided to throw it up against the backboard to see if he get a call as he fell down. You're like, are you guys serious? Like, play ball. Right. Play basketball. Like, at this point, you're not going to con your way back down 20 in this one. Uh, the Rob Williams part with game two Spo took Love out because it was that one high screen roll they were getting. I think they got him three times in a row with Tatum. And so I think Spo abandoned it. And that's what I love about the playoffs, which is also makes it super unpredictable at times, is that there's things that work in one. I remind people of this all the time, but like I'll be home going, oh, wait, that might not work. You might want to do that again. And then they go back with it. And then that next night you're not exposed or the thing that didn't work yeah. works the second night. So I do think specific to the Rob Williams being subbed out was because they were using him as the screener to bring Kevin Love up. And then Spo, I think like 540 in the third, never brought him back in game two. This was a masterclass in Jimmy Butler attacking switches. Everybody gets switched. Yeah. Everybody finds, you know, everybody goes for your weak link, which is another thing in Miami that other than Duncan Robinson at times and maybe some Zeller minutes, there weren't a lot of switches to hunt as much. And then there's times where if you're hunting all the time, then you're completely out of your offense. But Butler would hunt white I think the reason we didn't see Grant is that Grant is not as great closing out against guys. You know, his feet are just not built that way against a perimeter guy to go out and close. Yeah. And there's a couple times where I saw him closing out on guys. He just gets a little too carried away with it. So I think that's part of the Grant part of it. Not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong, but it was a master class in Butler going, okay, I'm going to get the switch I want. And then Miami would just overload the other side it, it was unbelievable. The, they had guys they standing turned, next to each other in the corner. Like the other three guys completely not in the play and it because they just knew the two-man stuff would work. Butler would have times where he might go into the predictable switch and then he knew he'd have enough time. He's like, I'm just going to switch it again here. And that's where you start to wonder of like Missoula going, hey, do you think maybe you, you want to throw something at him just to change it up? They doubled him on the sideline in the second quarter tonight and they got a turnover. And it was like right. a no, late they did double. it two times in a row. It worked. Right. It was uh, right at the end of the second quarter. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, because at the end of game two, and as much as, you know, we argue about the coaching stuff, to let Butler run that free at the end of game two on those switches and never have a second guy there, like, shit, make somebody else make a shot. The problem for Boston tonight was even when they tried to do other stuff, then it was Gabe Vincent hit at three. It was Caleb Martin hitting right. at three. They were 10 of 21 at one point. They were plus 12 and three points at the half. So even when they tried to do something different, every guy hit every single open shot. So that's why they gave up. The game two Butler thing was so infuriating at so many levels. They just, they made it easy for him. You know, I, I went to the Lakers Nuggets game and last night and we'll talk about it, but Murray had 30 points in the first half. In the second half, the Lakers... They basically made the decision, we're not letting him beat us. 
Schroeder picked him up 80 feet, was just <laughs> reaching in, fouling, doing everything he could. He was just in his jersey and just made him uncomfortable, right? The Celtics were letting Butler just walk the ball up, go to the exact spot he wanted to get to, get the matchup he wanted to get, and then he would score. And everybody after game two was, especially online, was mad at Grant Williams because of the poke the bear stuff. I I ended up tweeting about it because I was like, I don't blame Grant Williams at all for that game. Grant Williams is the only guy who who stood up to anybody. There's plenty of people, plenty of blame to go around for game two. Grant Williams being the only guy who seemed kind of pissed off that Jimmy Butler was, you know, trying to rip their hearts out. I can't get mad at him for that. You know, and I, I actually thought he played good defense against Butler. Butler just made some sick shots because he's been the best guy in the playoffs, basically, other than Jokic. So I just, it, it, it just seems like everything, all the dialogue about this team has been so misguided. They've strategy-wise, they've been awful. They should have lost game six to Philly if Tatum doesn't hit a couple shots and Philly just craters in game six, right? Then in game seven, that Harden elbow flips the game and all of a sudden they get momentum again. But this was a front runner team the whole time. It really was. They were great when they were up 10 in these close games over and over again. They got outwitted. They got out executed. And just big picture, it's tough to imagine this, A, the coach coming back and B, the nucleus coming back. Because I don't know how it's going to be much different next year. These guys are now heading into their, Tatum's going to be 26 next year. I think Jalen's going to be 27 or 28. These guys have been together a while. And I in a vacuum, no, don't break them up. But man, if you're going to be paying these guys nine figures combined a year, I better know for sure that I can win a title with that as my two guys. And I don't know. Back to the Grant thing quick, because I have a question. Grant is one of my five most annoying players in the NBA. I think no he volunteers. I think he volunteers to be mic'd up. Like he'll go to the crew before the game. Be like, do you have anybody that's mic'd up? Because I'm, I'm good to <laughs> he go. He steals the mic. He just slaps it on his jersey. Right. Uh, him talking shit to Jimmy Butler after hitting the three in game two was stupid. That was stupid. But, I, I agree with you. But, but this, I know Jimmy said it energized him, and Spo said we got gnarly Jimmy. He's been doing this to everybody at the end of the fourth. It's like, right. So it wasn't like, oh my god, Jimmy Butler scored points to close out a big time playoff game. So. I think Grant took too much shit for that. I also think it's because when you say I'm going to make both of them against Cleveland and then miss both free throws, um, you know, you're just setting yourself up to be made fun of the entire time. What are you? But, but wait a second on the Grant thing. It it, it threw the limelight off Jalen, who had the worst 45 seconds of the season, with five minutes left. He lets Bam go flying by him, has to foul him. They get two free throws. Comes back down. Um, turnover. Then comes down the other way, gives up, loses Robinson on a three, comes back down the other way, gets an offensive rebound, gets stuffed around the rim. It was like in 45 seconds, he was involved in four really negative plays. And then everybody's blaming Grant Williams at the end of the game. I, I Listen, they had way bigger problems than uh, Grant Williams talking shit to Jimmy Butler. And by the way, what what's the alternative? What are they, what are they shake his hand after he makes a play? Like I thought everybody's competing. And Jimmy thrives on, oh, I'm just doing my thing. They're not even fighting back. The thing is, Denver is going to fight back with him. Denver has a bunch of dudes on that team that are not going to allow him to do the the pointing after a three and all the shit he was doing to the Celtics today. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't wait to talk about that, but I think we need to stay on the Boston part of this because you said you can't pay Tatum and Brown that much unless he gets you a title. No, I didn't no say guarantees. you can't. I didn't say you can't. I'm saying... 
it for the first time, that idea makes me super nervous. Yeah, that's fine. And I get it, especially tonight after what we just saw. But what Tatum and Brown give you, as unpopular as this may sound after what we just saw in game three, is they give you a chance. And that's all you can hope to have in the league. So if they brought everybody back and paid Jalen Brown instead of trying to get cute and hope that that money can be used somewhere else, because you know how tough it is that it's not really about you know, getting off the tax, it's the same problem that Philadelphia has. It's like, yeah, there's a number I don't want to pay Harden, but I also don't want to lose somebody for nothing. It's why all of these deals happen. So I would say, despite how gross that was, because that was fucking gross. I mean, to see them just go, nah, all right, well, we can't get Butler. We keep getting worked. We're not changing anything. I want to get to the Missoula thing with you. Oh, everybody's going to make an open three. I mean, that when they were down and the game was over, they missed 18 and 19 threes and they were wide open in this game tonight. Yeah. Like that's that's how bad like Jalen and Tatum just started chucking up threes being like whatever. Like let's get the clock running. It's a composure like, loss. It was terrible. Right. Let's you're, so so as bad as that is my my thing would be all right, you know, they were the second seed. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh this is probably a better option. Unless you think it's so damaged. Like, how damaged? Do you think this is the kind of loss that's so damaging and ultimately losing the series that it becomes a, what's Brad doing? Did they give a guy in Missoula a job? Which, if we go back over that timeline, it's not like they were in the coaching cycle of to be like, all right, let's just go get somebody because Ime's situation was right up to the start of the season. So that wasn't ideal. You look at all this stuff. Like, what do you think they should do? Like, how, how, how much of a, a recalibration do you think needs to happen here after tonight? Good setup. I will answer after the break. All right, coming back. What do the Celtics do? Choice number one, how about pulling the 2004 Red Sox and fighting back? Where's Kevin Millar? Can we see the graphic at least? That'll be the only benefit of the Eastern Conference Finals is when they show the graphic. The 04 Red Sox, first team came back from 03. Uh, let's put Tatum Brown on the side. Marcus Smart. What am I getting with him going forward? Has, is he hitting a different point of his career? Have there been too many charges? Has there been too much contact? Is this basically like a tight end in football that was awesome for seven, eight years and just kept going over the middle and getting trucked and then all of a sudden that tight end's not getting off the line anymore? Uh, I thought defensively, we talked about it a bunch of times. Defensively, I thought he really slipped this year. I voted for him Defensive Player of the Year last year. I wondered if he was hurt this year. I was shocked that he didn't have a bigger impact in this Miami series. I was shocked that he couldn't guard James Harden in multiple uh, playoff games where he just didn't seem like he'd stay in front of him. And that would be if you were keeping Tatum and Brown together and you're just talking about, all right, well, then what do you do? Do you keep White and Brogdon and trade smart? Do you tra- try to trade White? Do you try to trade Brogdon? One of those guys goes if you're keeping Tatum and Brown because you got to do something. Uh, not an excuse for smart, but I thought there was like a weird back thing with him in Philadelphia where he landed a certain way and I couldn't quite figure it out with him. But defensively, look, he was already bad defensively. I, I shouldn't say bad defensively. Bad for him. I sh- no, bad, bad for, for him. him. The standard that you have for smart, uh, it just it just wasn't there. And, you know, well, I had It's like if fan. you have the awesome lights out cornerback who used to shut down everybody and then all of a sudden they're not shutting down everybody the same way and they're giving up 160 yard 
games to receivers. Like, wait a second, I thought you were a shutdown guy. He wasn't a shutdown guy this year. He just wasn't. No. So we agree on that. Uh, last year was the best season of his career because I think he finally accepted the other two guys are better than him, which I think is something that he'd been fighting for a long time. Uh, shot selection wise, like that was always the worst part of smart was like, what are you doing? Like, why yeah. do you think you're the number one option as many times as you do? And in this series, it's kind of an overall NBA thing where I'll, I'll look at certain possessions. And again, this is a theory. I'm not even sure I'm right about this, but you know, the combo guard that is the standard now at the position. Like if you can't score and shoot and take it off the dribble and get your own shot, like you can't even, like those guys don't exist. Like the traditional point guard doesn't exist anymore. But I wonder if in playoff series, like having somebody go, okay, enough of this shit after three bad possessions. Because let's let's get us into our stuff. And I don't yeah. know if Tatum and Brown need somebody like that. I'm not even sure who that dude is that exists anymore. There's like six than, of them in the league. I mean, Denver doesn't right. have that guy. Well, they also have the best passing big of all time. So, right. uh, you know, that that kind of like Denver's Denver, like is not a model for anything. Well, really, ba basically, Jokic. Jokic is their version of that, because anytime things get chaotic, he can just get somebody a shot. So you're saying the Celtics don't necessarily have the guy who can get somebody a shot. That's kind of what Brogdon was supposed to be. Right. That's what yep. we heard heading Brogdon into the season. Brogdon is was terrific this year, uh, but he's a score first guy, man. Yeah, he he really is. And White, you know, there's a little playmaking there. There's a little playmaking with Brogdon. Jalen, I, I don't think that's never going to happen. I mean, Tatum has his moments at times. It's certainly better than it was when those guys were younger. But, you know, I, none of this matters. Like, Smart not being more of a playmaker, not having Tyus Jones is the reason <laughs> they're down 0-3 right now. But as far as the bigger picture stuff, like Smart just might be looked at as an asset with three years and sixty million left to go. If somebody else feels like they needed to change their thing up too, because I well, still think especially like if Rob is if it's a two for one and Rob's in the trade too, and now you're in that kind of thirty to thirty one million range, and you're doing a two for one and trying to get a bigger piece, you know, if somebody like Aiton was available, um, which I don't even know <laughs> if I'd feel good about, but I'm just that, that Aiden, you know you're Aiden swimming in those waters. Would have fought back tonight. He would have, eight, eight would have been like, Eight's all right, never time been on out, the floor boys. for a 30, 30 point blowout. <laughs> Rally round. I have some thoughts. Uh, yeah, Rob would be another trade candidate, obviously. And other than that, from a pick standpoint, it's pretty bleak. And then the other move would be to just say, you know what? We fucked up with the coach. It wasn't his fault. I feel bad. 15 years ago, I would have been destroying this coach week after week and I would have had nicknames for him and done the whole thing. But I actually feel bad for him. I think he was in a horrible situation. Like Brian Barrett on our Boston pod did a really nice job Friday night of talking about like how long Darvin Ham was an assistant coach, right? Before he got the job. How long Mike Malone's been in the NBA? You know, even somebody like Spolstra who worked under Riley for years and then finally got the job and then had that first year where they're all trying to get him fired. Um, and then Joe Maz, you know, two years is basically sitting in the second row. That's why my dad calls him second row Joe. And he just gets thrown in with this like skeleton coaching staff, you know? And and I, I can't think of a worse situation that a new coach has been thrown into. It's not like they could have hired somebody else. It was the season was about to start. It wasn't like people were sitting around. I still think they handled it badly. I still think they really underestimated the value of having that one experienced dude on the bench. Um, but I also thought he was terrible. Like, I really genuinely think he was terrible. 
like terrible as a coach in the in the NBA playoffs. Thought he was terrible in the Hawks series. I have no idea how that went to six. The Philly, he, he didn't even start making adjustments until game six and then game seven. Then this series, predictably, he got annihilated by Spolstra. I mean, that it, this was checkers versus chess. And I feel bad for him because I don't think he should have been in the position. Okay, but when we go back to the timeline, they were screwed. They were screwed. They were screwed unless they were going to bring in Vogel. You know, um, I don't think Brad wants to coach. I don't know if they'll beg him. So are you saying he should be fired? I don't think he will come back. I think they will move on and get and get a, a bigger coach because especially with the amount of money that the ownership is shelling out for salaries, if you're not going to make a major move, you can't bring the coach back and say, hey, we got him a really good bench coach. This year is going to be different. I just, it felt like he lost the team in this series. I've been watching basketball my whole life. You can kind of see when a team's, team's kind of done. And is the, are the guys done with each other? Are they done with the coaching situation? What is it? This is a team that over and over again just got outwitted and out executed down the stretch. So the other thing, so this is one of the things I was thinking. I was thinking about like the most frustrating, really good teams that I've watched in my lifetime. And the number one version of this was the Drexel Blazers team which had this really nice run from 89 to 92. They made the finals in 90. They made the, the finals in 92. The 90 finals, they absolutely could have won. They beat the Lakers in a playoff series. They had just a shitload of talent. They were really athletic. They were deep. They were a lot like the Celtics team. And yet over and over again, they'd shoot themselves in the foot and they'd blow games. They'd lose close games. They'd just do dumb things. And you could always kind of outwit them. And it just was who they were. And they kind of left this legacy of, man, that team was so talented. Hard to believe they didn't win a title. And I fear that that's the Celtics run. It's the same kind of thing, except in this case, Stevens was such a good coach and Ime did such a good job last year. Last year, it was like, oh, they're a year ahead of schedule. Just wait these next few years. And remember we talked last year and I was saying to you about, I know this is a young team but I've seen this happen too many times with the NBA with windows. And I think there's real urgency for this team to win because I don't know what's going to happen next year. This might be their best chance right now. You said it in 20. And, and but I, I said I was it kind of like, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I get it. I mean, you said it in 20, but you know, a lot of it, you can start mapping it out going, okay, well, what's going to happen around them. Right. And in 20, there were a bunch of very, I'm not going to remember all of them, where you're like, this might be their best chance. And really, when you're in the finals, it feels like it's probably your best chance. You're not going to get to go back all the time, and it's, it's actually pretty rare. Um, if you were to say that now about this team, I don't, I don't know that that would be true. I mean, other than <laughs> writing off Miami all the time, like I do, uh, I don't think you'd go into next year going, oh, no, look at the Miami Heat. They're going to win 55 games unless the roster changes. The Milwaukee thing might actually enter into weird phase. The Philly thing could easily be worse. There's shades of weirdness so, with the with the Milwaukee thing. Yeah, um, Atlanta's whatever, Toronto's whatever. The Knicks got some work to do, and then there's Cleveland, who maybe that was the young team getting their ass kicked, and all the regular season numbers meaning nothing. You know, that was the best defensive team in the league, and it, they couldn't get stops against what's a lot of times you know a, a pretty heavy one man show offensively. Um, 
it, you know, looking at, at you positioning the Celtics and saying, okay, they actually are going to be one of the favorites to win the East already next year. They just are. If they don't, if they do nothing and they hire an expensive bench coach and keep Joe Mass, they don't do anything. You still think they're one of the favorites. Well, the bench, you coach might be thing, right. I, 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 I think the bench coach thing is mandatory. It's mandatory. And, you know, I, Personally. I don't see how they can bring, I honestly don't see how they can bring him back. I know they extended him halfway through the season, but I thought he was that bad. Yeah, because I, 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 I struggle with it. I'm, I'm not defending it. They're not doubling Jimmy and letting that happen freely and not changing things up. And whenever a team is losing and they're throwing shit against the wall, the same way we saw Monty Williams and Phoenix, like as I'm watching it going, like you don't, you have like no clue like what you're going to get from, or you know, like you don't want, you don't know what to do here right now. How about five uh, playoff losses? In t- in two rounds and three games, they lose at home five times. They they were thirty four and uh no 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 they were they lost nine times at home in the regular season. Yeah, they lost at home nine. And they lost times. five in the playoffs. Here's the thing: I went to the Nuggets game last night, and I'm thinking this Nuggets team's going to kill the Celtics with their movement and how smart they are and how smart Jokic is. He's going to dissect them the same way Butler is. You know, it's just that they wouldn't have had a chance against that team. Not the way they're playing now. I will never, the the best case you could make for it's the coach's fault. And I think we, I, I even agree with you. Sometimes it's just too easy to blame the coach. And by the way, like real quick on that, the turnovers at the end of game one, all right, the turnovers where they're like throwing it to Jimmy Butler in center field. Right. And, you know, to not have that many fouls and have that many steals. And look, Jalen Brown against a smart defensive team, you know they're all like, hey, dude can't dribble. Right. Dude can't dribble. And he's going to throw cross-court passes. A couple of the drives that Jalen Brown had tonight into the, and when he's just falling down and everybody's right. looking at him, being like, what are you? So, like, that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, wait, that's Missoula's fault? And it isn't. But there's 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 enough other stuff with not having a different attach, uh, att- a plan of attack for Butler. Um, you know, against a zone, you guys just stop running offense. Like there's a there's like three things right. you, you can just do have against Tatum dribbling the ball straight up into his zone for some reason. I fundamentally they have all the same guys as last year plus Brogdon. How is this team so much worse on defense? Like that that's just fundamentally how is that possible? All these guys are a year older and a year smarter, right? And they've been a was bunch the of big games. Right. They may not score, and that's what was their undoing against Golden State. They could always default back to like we have a pretty special defense. Right, and, and even in Game Four of the Finals, they, they lose. They lose because Steph just leaves his body in the second half. Right, they were playing good defense that whole series, and then the offensively is where they lost it. Yeah, and you know, the, I'm glad you brought up the Jalen turnovers thing. The unforced turnovers with him, it's been a problem all season. Um, I don't know if there was something like really wrong with his hand, but it, it's, yeah, but he these did aren't it last turnovers. Year. Yeah, they, they, they aren't just turnovers. Look, I looked at remember last year when they played Miami. And they win the game seven down there. But, you know, if you go through it game by game in the turnovers, I was looking at like one game they were plus 15 in turnovers. That's an impossible number. It's like one thing to have like more than 10 than the team you played against. Um, You know, it's it's a joke with them. So I don't know. Look, let's take it back to the coach thing, though. uh, Oh, because I had a fake trade for you that um. Almost nervous to present. Let's save it. Save it for a second, because because I think there's a, a a problem, and I don't. You know, this is the part of being 
in ownership and being Brad Stevens where you go, how, what will the reaction be if Missoula is canned after one year? All right. Now, it's actually happened a lot more in NBA history, and sometimes it can be a little deceiving with the, was he the interim and then had the job going into the next year and then was fired? So is it, is it hired one full season then fired? Is it a little bit yeah. of carryover? But I think the number's at like 21 coaches. So it's happened a lot. It hasn't happened a lot recently. It just it happens in football, a, too. But sometimes, happens, like, I think, Riley, more in football. When Riley fired Van Gundy right before the... Uh, or during the 06, I can't remember the timeline, but it was right him. before they won the title. He replaced him with himself. Um, and Van Gundy allegedly had to leave because he wanted to spend more time with his family or something. But he got fired by Riley, basically. Um, Riley just sensed, like, I have this window, I have this talented team, and this is the wrong coach, and I got to do something. If you're the Celtics, you're a luxury tax team. Yeah, Tatum was 25, who's about to enter. NBA history would tell us he's still not the player that he's going to end up being two years from now, right? Even somebody like Jokic even went up a level this year. 27, 28 are the key years for an NBA super-duper star. So we don't even know what his ceiling is. Not to mention all the other luxury tax, all the other stuff they're shelling out. And they don't really have picks. There's no real way to rebuild. Um, I, you can't fuck around with a coach again. You can't be like, man, well, maybe, hopefully Joe will be better this year. I, I just don't think they can do that. And the reality is, it's if if they did get rid of him, I don't know who hires him. You know, they it's not just that they lost Ime last year; they lost Will Hardy too, which we talked about last summer, and we talked about how important he was. Um, that combo was pretty devastating. So I, they they're gonna have to they're gonna have to think like, do we want to risk another year here because we just squandered a year where Miami is gonna make the finals after they went forty four and thirty eight. They lost the playing game, and in the fourth quarter of the second playing game, it could have gone either way against the Bulls, who are now about to blow it up. So, I my guess is that he's probably uh, probably going to get bounced. Okay, two things. Um, you know, I thought it was weird when we saw the video of Wick sitting courtside, saying something to Missoula, and it was I think it Tell was him to like, take hey, out the starters. Get, it seemed get like the starters yeah. out, and then Missoula like kind of went back at him, like I am. And I can imagine if I'm a coach with a lot of juice, I'd be like, you know, how dare you say that to me during the game? And the problem is Missoula is not going to have that kind of juice in the eyes of the people that make this decision. And that's maybe why it was even said to him in the first place. You know, Wick probably never saying that to Brad Stevens. And then the counter to that would be, well, Brad Stevens wouldn't have done that in the first place. Uh, I think it's worth bringing up, though, if Mizzou, look, this is an organization that I th- I thought handled the EMA thing as well as you could with his, how complicated as it was. With, right? with the fact that they couldn't really say anything. Right. Like the whole, when you go back and like, look at how that played out too, and then the stuff that had happened since, like, you know, even his fiance, it said something like, and I believe ex-fiance was, was essentially saying like the Celtics put all my dirty laundry out there. And my family's like, actually the Celtics did everything they possibly could at their own expense by not sharing more right. of what happened. So I would say I it was Ime's, Ime's agency maybe would, had a little more of an of a incentive to share stuff. So, you know, Boston got dumped on, not by everybody, but because there's a lot of us doing this, a decision is made. Hey, how do you feel? I feel, I feel this way. Well, you know what? I feel this way. And the Celtics in some circles got crushed for getting rid of Ime. And they also were getting crushed because 
not that many people really knew what was going on. Hell, I've heard stories and versions of it that I'm like, what? You know, like I'm not 100% sure what did or didn't happen. I feel pretty good about what I know. And I'm glad he may have got another chance because I thought despite deserving to lose his job, he was deserving to get another, another opportunity. Now he has that. The only reason I'm bringing that up is that there will be some similar conversations around Missoula losing his gig after just one year. And yeah. what you have to be ready for as an organization and what, what the best ones do is go, hey, we still think this is the right call. So go ahead, trash us. Trash us for a couple of days on the TV shows. And then guess what? There'll be another topic that'll replace this topic and then you move on. And that's what I think the best organizations do. Now, if their evaluation of his, hey, he was a rookie coach, you know, our players also shut down. This isn't all on him. Let's get another assistant in here and, you know, we could salvage this and all this stuff. Like maybe that's the conclusion they come to, but I, you know, it kind of gets no, back to the, that. There's a tweak to it. You just say he didn't have enough experience to be a head coach. And we took a gamble and it was the wrong gamble. And Joe is going to be a great coach someday. But right now with the roster we have, it was a bad fit. And that's how it goes. The other way is they just hire an awesome bench coach and pretend this team, <laughs> you know, didn't almost lose to Philly and really would have if Tatum just didn't start hitting threes at the end. And then, um, and then whatever happened this round. Uh, can I throw my trade at you? Yes. I can't believe I'm doing this. I, I was like the last person on Never Break Up Tatum Brown Corner. And you're, I still you're don't in think a better mood. You're in a better mood than I thought. No, because I be. knew after game two, I knew it was over. The Celtics were f- almost five point favorites today, which I didn't understand. I, I don't know what people were seeing with this series. Miami was smarter, they were tougher, and they had the best part of the series. What, what else do we need? Yeah, I mean, look, I it was it. minus, what was it, minus 10 in, in game two? Yeah, there was minus nine in game one, minus 10 in game two, and Boston was minus five, or it got minus four and a half, minus five. It was in that range for game three. If they do decide to do a tweak, isn't Portland the logical destination, right? Portland's a team that they're on a timetable with Dame. They got the number three pick in the draft. They, you know, seem a little bit desperate for a variety of reasons. It's either trade Dame or keep Dame and try to make a run. They've been open about saying we want to get a wing. And it just seems like that's kind of a fit if they wanted to make a move, the Celtics, over you keep these two together and now you're a hundred plus million a year for the next few years with two guys. So what's the deal? Let's say it's number three and it's Simons and it's a future first and it's a swap, something like that. Or maybe it's just the number three and Simons. I don't even know what Brown's value is, but you have the number three and you have Simons in it and maybe more because as we've seen with these trades that we've had lately, I don't know what the values are, but Jalen Brown is the second team on NBA guy. He's 26. So not getting Lillard, you're trying to pick off Simons in the number three pick. Wow. Mulling this one over. No, because Jalen's worth, I think Jalen's worth more than Lillard straight up. Well, Lillard's going to be 33 years old next year. And I don't know where that takes you. And the contract. So I guess the question for me is that number three is, I, I hate to do the two eras thing because the Warriors have kind of ruined that, but with the team that they have, could they use that asset? Could they spin it forward where they're still really good, but they have some can't miss guy? Like is Scoot, in your opinion, it, let's say Scoot's at number three. Let's say Charlotte says fuck it and takes Brandon Miller at two. Scoot's there at three. Portland doesn't want to take Scoot. What do they want another guard for? 
Is Scoot that good? Is Scoot a potential first-team All-NBA guy, in your opinion? Uh, he wasn't as good this year as he was the previous year. You know, last year when I'd watch Dyson Daniels and Hardy and Beauchamp, I'd constantly be like, dude, who, like, look at Scoot. Uh, one of my favorite Scoot games is where he played against Wembanyama, and he was like, I know what the marquee is. I know what everybody's here to watch, but I'm going right at this motherfucker. Yeah. Like he, he, then he, but then he didn't play as well this year. So I don't know if he was coasting. Seems I don't like know he if was in, yeah, it seemed like he was in self maintenance mode a little bit. Yeah. I also think he's way more of a, like he's probably more likely to go like the scoring guard route than the traditional point guard combo thing. Um, which, you know, we've already talked about, which isn't exactly all that rare. Uh, I, I probably wouldn't do that. You know, I, I wouldn't. Now that I, I've talked it out and thought about it, I know how bad it is tonight. I know how bad Boston's talk shows are going to be tomorrow. I know, like, unless you're telling me something else that I don't know, that it's irreparable after this series, I would go, all we're doing is trying to build rosters that have a chance. And as bad as this Heat series went, Boston's still going to have a chance next year. So I wouldn't be in a hurry to do that. And, you know, Simons is really talented. I like him. Small guards in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, unless unless I was convinced of Scoot. Or you know, Simons be- is in Simons you spin for something else. I'm with you. I would rather keep this together and not overreact. Here's my one caveat for you. I think there's some some scarring and some damage from the last 12 months with Brown with the team. And going back That's to the KD true. rumors, I think that oh, is unquestionably true. true. And my fear is you give him the big contract and he's still mad about all the stuff from last summer. And maybe you can proactively get ahead of it by trading him for 130 cents in the dollar, which I think Portland would do. So that would be the counter for it. My instinct would be to keep it. But my other instinct is he's going to get mad. He'll feel like he got blamed. Why isn't Tatum in trade rumors and all that? And that's just where his head's going to go. Does he want to be the guy on another team? I uh, I still feel like he can get better. I know he made second team on NBA. I had him third, third team. Um, I thought he was the sixth best forward in the league. There were also a bunch of forwards that didn't play enough games to qualify. I still think he's too sloppy with the ball, just period. He's too sloppy. He makes too many dumb turnovers. And I still think there's another level for him to get to as a player. The thing that is really, really, really disturbing to me. And one, it makes me wonder if as an asset, his value is higher than the actual player. What happened to him on defense? Like yeah, what happened? Yeah, it's a great question. Like remember when you thought, oh, wow. You know, he, like I thought he would, was in like an absolute elite defender and he's not. He's not an elite defender at all. I, I don't know who's he shutting down these days. Like to me, he's somebody that ch- he chucks a lot of shots and he's, I, I got to say, like a mediocre defender this year. He really was. Yeah, it's really surprising because at one point, like you felt like his profile was going to be everything you want in a player. And he's still, even with this this handle, which again, it's not the hand this year. You know, when he fell down, he actually was reaching for his left elbow, I thought, on that whole thing anyway, when yeah. he fell down. Because um, I know you were talking about the dunk at the end of the previous game. That's the last series uh, against Philadelphia. Seventh game, but, yeah. Right. But then I thought when he fell down in this series, Hurt his elbow. Um, he was grabbing his elbow. So, and look, dude, he couldn't, he, if you watch any of that Miami stuff from last year, like I remember going, oh my God, like they, they know, they like PJ right. Tucker they going at him. him. Right. Going like, oh, hey, when, once he puts it on the ground, like go for it. 
because he's not really more than a two dribble guy. Uh, but the defense is concerning because I thought that he was the dude that you wanted to avoid. And now I'll see teams like switch off of Tatum to go into Brown. Right. Well, speaking of Tatum, I don't want to absolve him either. I was thinking in game seven when he got, he got over 50 in that Sixers game and he made the 50 sign. He made the, the five with the fist, right? That bothered me when I saw it in the, like, it was after we did the pod and I, I'd forgotten that he did that. And we saw it then and I was like, that's like not, what is that? You know, th- this team did a lot of talk about, oh, we're focused on the finals. We're focused on a title. That's all we care about. And it's just like, how many guys, like, would Jokic put up a 50? Like, at some point, there's another level to this, right? When you're actually like, all I want to do is win the title. Yeah, but Jokic Why doesn't do keeping... any of that stuff. He doesn't do any of that stuff. So Jokic, well, like, we would, shouldn't compare Would Butler do it? Now uh, I Butler, sound like a sports radio host. I'm just yeah, like, I, Butler, I just thought it was Butler tacky. Butler took a knee and did a timeout in front of Horford Yeah, because he was trying got... to fuck with the other team. There was like gamesmanship with it. Tatum, it was uh, like, look at me. I scored 50. It was like kind of, sh- I don't know. It, it It's stuff like that where you're, you're, you're front running because you're beating up on the Sixers team that rolled over like they did in game three tonight, the Celtics. But I, I don't know, man. Just like... Win some stuff first before you start talking that much shit, I guess would be my point. Butler has at least earned it where he's carried the team to the finals. He's won a bunch of big series. He took down Milwaukee. He's beaten the Celtics team. He's gone right at them. I still don't think he would do a 50. Oh, I don't know. I think he would. I, I That doesn't do? bother me at all. I, man, I don't. I mean, he set, he set a record for game seven points. He had been struggling. I think it was also a reflection of like, I've been one of 24 in the first halves of games four, five, and six, which again, I still think is like one of the most impossible stats ever to be as good as him. Okay, well, can but we it, agree on this? If you're going to do that, maybe don't roll over in game three of the next series. Yeah, no, that's 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 fair. But I do think Butler is capable of doing a lot of that stuff. I think a lot of players are capable. I also think, it, again, it was a bit of an exhale moment of that series probably shouldn't have gone the way it, it went. Yeah. It shouldn't have gotten smoked in game five. You know, Harden hits two th- uh, two huge shots, uh, two threes. That's right. At the end of game one, at the end of the game four. Um, so, so you, you know, think that, I'm overrating that? I to me, it was like a maturity thing. Like, okay, but earn but that like shit prior first. to this prior to this series, Butler hadn't done more in the playoffs in his career than Tatum had. Like, who, to who, go, who'd you like more in a playoff series? Well, of course, it's Butler at this point. But you know, nobody ever talks Especially about the Milwaukee like, series. Yeah, fair. Let's uh, let's take a break and we should talk about Miami. All right, so the Heat. Here's my theory in the Heat. Do we just have parity now with the NBA where you just need a great coach and two awesome players and no. some role players and that might be no. enough? No, no. Okay. This, this roster, this success goes against everything we've ever learned in decades of watching this sport. And because it happened this year doesn't mean I think this is now the new thing. That's it. End of statement. Maybe we just have a super deep league where there's like Gabe Vincent's falling out of the fucking woodwork now. Like look at the look at the Nuggets yesterday. The key guys in that game were KCP, who anybody could have traded for this year, and Bruce Brown. Not to, I mean, I obviously be on Murray and Jokic, but the role players they had, they kind of just grabbed this free agency. Those guys are good players. Those guys are well, they're even better. Players. They're even better around Jokic. Like that's true. It's, it's smart, a bit like, good players. 
Right. Think, like, about, I mean, oh, the, think about the 08 Celtics Cavs series when like Delonte West is out there with Anderson Verjao and like some of the dudes that were on the court with like eight minutes to go in a game seven. I think the league is really deep now. And, you know, to, to when you look at like, oh man, that, the Heat, look at these dudes on this team. Those guys were good. Like Caleb Martin's a good player, <laughs> you know? I don't I don't feel like that's like some random schmuck. Like that guy, I've watched him now in three straight playoff series, like make huge shots. So I don't know. Yeah. I almost wonder like, is the league just deep? Like we're working on this G League documentary right now uh, that's going to be on Prime in August. And some of, like there's this, there's one guy who I won't, I won't spoil the doc, but there's one guy in the doc and you're watching him like, this guy's great. How is this guy not in an NBA team? But it's the same thing. Like you, you watch League Pass more than anybody I know. Don't you see guys on certain nights where you're like, man, why hasn't that guy had a moment yet? Maybe there's just a lot of guys though. Well, we agree on that. The depth is is insane. You know, I, there was one night I remember watching Portland and I'm like, they're not even good. And look at their seven guys that they're putting out there. But that's what happens when you have two really small guards. You're just not going to be able to defend anybody enough. And then Nurkic on top of everything else. I mean, they're their own specific problem. But I'm in complete agreement with you on the depth where there'll be players seven, eight, nine on teams. And I go, you're going to be kidding me. But you know, as great as Caleb Martin has been, and he's another massive success story for this Heat team, he was like a negative box score on the season. He had a PER right. of 11, <laughs> okay? Right. He averaged nine a game. So, like, like what's like Gabe Vincent with the zero in the in the second <laughs> playing game, who now, who now looks like he's, I don't so, know, Dave Lillard. So, I, I'm going to say it a second time. This is really special what Miami is doing. And the reason it's special is that it's not supposed to happen. So that is the part that I will marry myself. To. I'm not going to then go, well. So you so you, this is not replicable for you. No, the reason it's special is that it's unique. This is like, do you think, do you seriously think like, and this is what I have a hard time like with data points, right? Like nobody ever look at a business and see their stock do well for a month and then be like, hey, maybe that's what we all need to be in. <laughs> now, granted, we could take it to the extreme and say that's exactly what happens with the way people would trade. But you would you would hope the way you would evaluate things be like, OK, well, how many seasons did this happen? Well, it's happened like, um, well, this is the second time it's happened in 24 years where an eight seed made it to the NBA finals. Okay, right. well, so that's and the other not time normal. was a lockout, right? Right, and so whenever whenever I look at something that's this special, the reason it's special is that it's not supposed to happen. So I wouldn't think that we have to now start looking at roster roster building differently. I I think it's like a lot about Miami, and I feel like all Heat culture jokes are dead. I don't think anybody's ever allowed to say them anymore. I know I'm going to stop. And it's a bit like, you know, Tyler Johnson getting, what, $70 million from the Nets? Right. And then you go, yeah. With Miami, he might have been worth that. Well, the part, like, that's not, the part that's not replicable is the Spo part. And this was the isn't. fear. I mean, how many times did we talk about this on the podcast? So I didn't want the Celtics to play Miami. Well, why did I want them to play Miami? Because they had Jimmy Butler and they had Spo. And that was it. And I thought they were going to out with the Celtics and it really scared me even though the Celtics had more talent. And I still didn't think it would eight. happen. Right. They yeah. fell to eight and it was like, well, thank God, at least we don't get to see the heat. And then we saw the heat anyway. 
But Look, you deserve you know credit the big for winner? it. The, the big winner is the Bucks because that looked like one of the worst losses in recent playoff history. And now <laughs> the Heat are cruising in the finals. It's like, eh, maybe the Bucks shouldn't feel as bad. You're right. Look, you deserve credit for even bringing it up. And I started yelling at you saying, no, no, no. Like, you're going to be kidding me. Like, at some point, you have to look at who they are offensively and go, there's yeah. just not going to be enough scoring for them to carry this out. I still think of Giannis plays the full series against Milwaukee. We're not so even at this point. I, I, I believe that. Uh, the Knicks thing completely outclassed him and have embarrassed this Boston team throughout. But you know, the Spo part of it that's really funny when I was looking at some of the stuff, like how Boston fell apart against the zone. Well, you know, you got to figure out, like, eventually you can't just be like, oh, they're in zone, we're fucked. Like, you can't stop running certain parts of your offense. Teams get weird and they stop screening as much. They have the perfect dunker spot guy in Rob Williams. He is built to be the dunker running the baseline against any kind of collapse. You have to figure out a way to break the paint and get in there and collapse, set a screen and dribble into the paint, you know, anything at the or top. Put, to or try put to find Tatum a way. on the side, have Tatum run in the baseline back and forth and cutting up. There's a they million just, things you can do. Right. But they would just have the ball and they would watch and then they would stop. And you're like, okay, so that's it. They just and then you think about Spo. And I remember when the zone was first reintroduced in the NBA, because we always grew up with like zones for losers. You can't ever play zone. You know, no head coach in basketball, like you know, high school, unless your team's just really, really small and the other team can't shoot. But you always feel like zone is for losers, which again, there's parts of me that still kind of believe that, right? A little bit. But the value of the zone was disrupting teams. And if you look at it this year, Miami ran more zone possessions than any team has run in 19 years. And that's what John Schulman on NBA.com wanted to give him the shout out when I saw that. And then, no. And you're like, oh, wait, so the best coach in the NBA, and it's not even debatable anymore. Like nobody can enter anybody else into the chat. The yeah. best coach in the NBA decided that they needed to play more zone than any team has played in 20 years. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe well, think that's about something. the reasons that he did that because he was trying to hide and protect some of the people in his in his nine man rotation. Like you're doing it partly because you have lineups that have Duncan Robinson and Kevin Love out there at the same time. You don't want them in space guarding somebody, and no team could figure out and unlock it. It reminded me of those football teams when they, you know, like Lou Amarillo, when it'd be like, "Oh, what's he doing against Mahomes? Oh, he changed. Oh, now he's got this new defense. Oh, different look for this series." That's kind of what Sp Spoh's almost doing, like a football. Neutral zone of... trap? <laughs> Devils? Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, I, you know, and then like something as simple, because I still feel like there's somebody running the NBA coaches challenge seminar, and it might be my mom. I don't know who's running it and telling yeah. them when to use the challenges. But when Spo kept the challenge at the end of the Milwaukee game, you're like, you know what? The best coach in the NBA said, oh, under no, no circumstances, like, am I using this? Even though I kind of understood Missoula's, which the broadcast kind of missed the point that that was going to be Rob Williams' third foul. Right. And that's why they did it. And it was it. a four-point swing, which is another reason. Honestly, I, I still don't know if I would have challenged that early. And you go, oh, Spo decided to do this. Like, Spo... Suppose the guy that's like, you know, I really don't want to use it because they're going, you can pretend the math possession is a possession points or points. Not really. Not for me. Like there's going to be something that happens weird there. Why not have it in your back pocket? And it turned out to be a huge, huge part of, you know, again, they were going to win the first series uh, once, once they had the Giannis problems and then, you know, look, Milwaukee, but like this is a, this something's happening here. Milwaukee's soul escaped from their bodies in those last two games when it looked yeah. like they were going to win and looked like they were going to cruise. The Knicks, you know, that was that was a different kind of collapse. And here's Miami. 
without Hero and Oladipo, who at times looked washed, but at the same time, there'd be other nights where can you get 20 minutes? You could at from least them? throw them out there. Yeah. Right. Get 20 minutes. They lose those two guys. They lose love immediately after he scores five quick points. I still think Struess was hobbled pretty big time, yet didn't seem like, you know, it was something where you go, hey, let's go ahead and, and attack this guy. You're watching Thibodeau on the other side when Butler can't even move when he turns his ankle in that series. And then the Knicks had 12 possessions and didn't attack Butler the whole time. Like these things keep happening where they're making everybody else look weak mentally and challenged mentally on just basketball intelligence. And it's really because of Spo. I don't know if I can take the regular season seriously anymore. That could be another <laughs> so, outcome of these playoffs. But, so, House was so, texting me about this. I just like, does any of this matter? I was okay, already there right. with hockey, but that's where it was like, this year. Does any of this matter? But, but see, this is back to the, I need five more years like this. I need five more years like this because we mm. can run through the entire West. Denver, they look fucking awesome. And by the way, I'm picking them against Miami. <laughs> All right. Me too. Uh, they were under 500 on the road. I couldn't, there was like this lingering thing where I'm like, how does that happen with a one seed? Has that ever happened before with a one they seed? Also, they also, they just seemed like they packed it in the last month of the season. They it did. Like they were saving themselves, especially Jokic. They did. They had a really bad last month. And then you look at Memphis and you go, wait, they're the two seed, but they're a mess. And then there's yeah. Sacramento where you're like, that's a three seed. Well, it's because they're five guys played the whole time and they won all the games. They actually, they, you know, they, they were, they were locked in from end to end, but they probably would have been a fifth or a sixth seed in another year. Golden State was a mess. Um, the Clippers were a mess. And yet, if Lonnie really Walker know. doesn't get hot in game four against Golden State, they better win that series. Right. So I could go through the entire West specific to this year and go, man, collectively, like the whole West was so weird. And then at least the East. Except for thought, Denver. Denver was not weird. Like, especially in the playoffs. I think no, Denver has been. No, no, no. Denver, right. they've fallen behind by 10 points, I think, once in the playoffs, which is a good sign that you have a really good team. And they have the reason I love them against the Lakers and may or may not have put a wager on it is. I just never saw them discombobulated for more than a couple of minutes in a game. And I, I can't wait to talk. When, when do you want to talk about that game? Should we just do it now? Well, no, I just, I have one last kind of like collective on, because I know what you're saying is going to be really popular. I'm, I'm resisting it in that um, the regular season, maybe, maybe this happens, maybe this continues. And then we ha start having, because again, the Denver side of this is not a weird finals appearance, because you're right. They, they were weird the last month. But they, they had the best player in the world. That, so you yeah. have to take them seriously the whole time. But they were still 15th on defense. They were worse than Golden State this year on defense. Yeah. And the other part where, you know, I know Malone's taking a bit of a victory lap here, which I thought was a little early for it, where he's pissed at everybody for not, you know, talking about him enough. It's like, dude, other than that Western Conference Finals appearance where you lost 4-1 to the Lakers in 20, there's not much. And I know they've had injuries and Murray missed a bunch of time. Yeah. But there really wasn't that much. Um, about the team resume wise in the playoffs, where you were like, okay, they are a certainty. Now that we've seen them play, and now that they're up three, you're like, okay, they're they're awesome. All the role players, as you suggest, have been incredible against the Lakers. But I, I just, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think it's, I think it might be maybe if it's part one of a weird regular season stretch. But it, to me, it's still part one. I think these teams are super deep. 
And even you think about how close Chicago came to beating Miami in the playing game. I don't think they would have made the finals, but that was a pretty good team and they didn't make the playoffs. It just seems like from a talent standpoint, the league's as talented as it's been in 30 years. Okay, let um, me ask you a quick follow-up then. So that means if we have a team in like two years that wins 64 regular season games, you're just going to go, well, who knows? <laughs> you're going to think that team's awesome, right? Well, it would depend if they had, do they have a guy like Jokic on it or is like a 2006 Pistons type of 64 wins where I'm like, that team won 64 games? So is this a line in the sand then for you? That's that's no. kind of what I'm asking. Is this is this postseason result a line in the sand where you now are going to go? I have to I have to like think about the regular season and how it influences me differently. Well, this is something we've been doing this pod for a few years, and we've talked a lot about the difference between regular season basketball and playoff basketball. And I I feel like it's more profound than ever this season. Um, and I don't really know what that means long term. But I do think it feels like more teams are in it than where we were 10 years ago, where it was like, you know, you look at like that Nets team that had Darren Williams and Joe Johnson on it. Did you ever think that team was actually going to make the finals? Like it was, it was pretty, it was always pretty clear. There were like three teams. You're right. You really always took seriously. Been. This year it was like, if the Warriors had just gotten their shit together for a couple of weeks, like could they have made, <laughs> could, they, could they have been up 2-1 <laughs> against Denver going into a game four? Like, I don't know. There was a bunch of, I don't know, teams. Milwaukee was another one. I still don't know what happened to Cleveland. Like if they had a different coach, what would that team have looked like? So I, th- I just think the leagues, I know it's a cop out, but I think the league's really talented. Um, with that said, I, th- I agree with you that the Miami thing is special and unique because of the infrastructure. It's the infrastructure that's doing this. It's Butler and it's Bam and it's Spo. And it's, they find these role guys that just aren't afraid ever. And they play really hard and they're tough, you know, and they seek them out. They went and signed Caleb Martin. It's not like they developed them. They signed them from Charlotte, right? You know? Yeah, they went, we made they the found tr- a couple dudes. They realized love was going to fit with their infrastructure. And they obviously lobbied him when he was unhappy in Cleveland. Come here, you'll, be, you'll do great. He wanted to go there. So now they're getting these dudes that are either ring chasing or just know like, hey, that culture is the right culture for me. And it's hard for me to believe that somebody, you know, down the road, like a Giannis type, doesn't see that or Luca or any of these guys that, two years from now might be in the same spot ring-wise. I guess Giannis has one, but somebody like Luca, does he does he see this from afar and go, man, if I ever switch teams, I'd want to go to that team. I think they've at least achieved that. Yeah, look, like the heat culture thing, I'm going to stop making the jokes because before I thought it was stupid because I was like, ooh, Pat Riley makes you run. Cool. Um, mm. You know, he, what's heat culture? Dwayne Wade and LeBron figuring out three years ahead of time with Bosh to all go to the same team at some point. And then it just worked better in Miami. And then when you go to South Beach, you're like, yeah, I can see being a 25-year-old dude or 20-year-old NBA player and going, yeah, I think I want to hang out here for like four years. So I always thought it was kind of silly. I always thought it was. Well, there's a, the Riley Spo thing, I think, really is something. And especially like, totally, you even see totally Riley is. on TV. And it's like, ever since Red Arback died, he's kind of replaced Red Arback as this semi-mythical figure who's been involved in all these great teams and eras and situations. Ever since he showed up to Miami, they've been relevant. They've had a but, couple of hiccup stretches, but never more than two, three years. But even in the finals, like think of it this way. Like I think you just landed on a really great point. Is you know, all the years like, oh, you know, Miami, you know what they're doing? They're clearing the decks for Giannis. Oh, he re-signed with Milwaukee. Oh, you know what Miami's doing is they're gonna like make a play for Durant. Oh, okay, cool. 
Like it didn't happen. They ended up getting Jimmy Butler, like just because Butler didn't get a contract from Minnesota. And then he was so sick of the Embiid and Simmons stuff at the time that he's like, wait, what are, what are you guys doing here? And they, he you know, still needed Philly's help with that trade, which was the, he needed help from Philly and he needed Portland to take Whiteside's contract. It was like two semi miracles for him to even land because they had no cap space. That was one yeah, of the craziest right, things right. that Butler acquisition is. I, I'm still not positive how they even got him. And then um, somebody who who watched Hassan Whiteside play was like, yeah, we're in. Yeah, we'll Portland's do, we'll, like, ooh, he could solve our backup center problems for right, 30 million. Just like, okay. So, you know, for years, I, I'll admit, I kind of like did an eye roll every time because they were linked with any big name potentially. And they weren't getting any of them. And the Butler yeah. one was was very different. It wasn't like it was... It was, oh, we only got Jimmy because he knows he comes here. I think the biggest win for the Heat, the organization, for the fans, is that it may now be like, hey, do you see what they just did with that group? Like, maybe maybe this is real. I'm serious. Well, like, I, I think well, that's the biggest win, not just though. beating Boston. Yeah. It's a four-year run where they make, they're going to make two finals and come within a Jimmy three of making a third. It's pretty good. Pretty solid. When you consider that uh, it's been Butler and Bam and then a bunch of moving parts, I don't think anyone felt like the Lowry signing really worked. The old Depot re-signing, that didn't work and he got hurt again. Um, there was a moment there probably in February it was like, whoa, this is finally, heat culture is finally done. And uh, and now it's the opposite. Now the Celtics are reeling and I'm making up Jalen Brown traits. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's take a break and we'll talk Nuggets Lakers. <laughs> All right, so I went to Nuggets Lakers last night and I do think I attended the greatest win in the history of the Nuggets and I actually did. did some of the research. It was appalling. Top 20 Nuggets wins, go. <laughs> I'll give you five. The 2020, they beat the Clips in game seven in the semis in the bubble. Murray had 40. That got them to the Western Finals. 2009, Western Finals, Lakers, game two. Really good game. They win in LA. Carmelo's 34. 94 Seattle, game five. They pull off the upset. The first 1-8. Matumba holding the ball. 1978, West Semis, game seven. They beat Milwaukee. David Thompson at 37. And then uh, they beat Kentucky in the 76 conference <laughs> finals in game seven by 23. And Thompson had 40 to play the Nets. Those are the five Could greatest Kentucky wins. beat Denver? No, never beat Kentucky. Uh, those are the five greatest wins that I could come up with for the Nuggets. I went year by year. And I think yesterday was the greatest because, A, it locked in the finals. They've never made the NBA finals before. They're going to make it now. But the things that were against them in that game, right? Jokic gets in foul trouble. They're not getting any calls. They're on the road. Murray has this 30 in the first half that seems unsustainable. And there's this moment in the second half Jokic isn't out there because he got this fourth foul that was unconscionable. Um, he has to sit down. They're playing Gordon at the undersized center and the Lakers start hitting shots. All of a sudden, the Lakers are up one. The crowd's going nuts. They're not getting any calls. Unlike the Celtics, they don't melt down. They don't flip out at the refs. They know they know what's happening. They know it's Because well, like, Murray's going nuclear again. But. No, because Schroeder is like just attacking Murray every play. Like he's, he's all over him. It's like a rugby match. Um, and 
they 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 just kind of rode the storm and they made a couple shots. They they bought time until Jokic came back, and Jokic comes back in the fourth, and he just they, he Kaiser Soze'd it in the fourth, and they fought it off. Had the ten point run, played some defense. I was so impressed because when you win a game like that, when you're on the road and the refs are against you and you're going against LeBron and he's just driving to the basket, it seems like he's getting every call. Davis is playing well. It would have been really easy for them to roll over. And they did the opposite. And it was awesome. And I was watching, I was sitting behind their bench, so I was watching their bench. Their bench is standing up going nuts. Jokic just like screaming after every play. It was the kind of game, like, you win that game, I think you can win the finals. And I think they're going to win the finals. I agree with you. They look like the most complete team. And they've certainly showed that in these three games. Uh, I mean, look, it's, I don't even think it's a conversation at this point. But what Jokic does is expected what Murray did at the end of game two after getting the, you know, because Murray... I know he gets pissed about, and look, any great player should always be thinking he's better than everybody else. But when he starts saying, like, I'm better than a lot of dudes that have mm. people, you know, people, and then it's like, you do the list. You're like, I don't know. I kind of think you're kind of around where you should be. And then he goes off in game, in game two at the close. You're like, God, this guy is capable of doing this in the 30 in the first half. The point of bringing up those two guys is that when you have Brett Brown making every play, Michael Porter Jr. hitting every open shot. Right now in this series. Bruce Brown. Uh, what did I just call him? Brett Brown? <laughs> yeah. Well, you sound Brett. like me. I know. KCP. So if you look at them through the three games on open looks, which you're going to get a lot of open looks because all the attention of the two-man game with Jokic and Murray, which at times during the playoffs, I felt like the Jokic-Murray two-man game was like a little too predictable. And now they have every angle. They have every handoff. They know it perfectly. And if if you leave any of the other players, they're knocking down every shot right now. Those three guys on open looks, as far as the tracking is concerned, they're over 60%. And I thought, despite Jokic going off in the fourth and coming back in with all the foul trouble, every time the Lakers needed some kind of stop, one of the others made the right play. Yeah, I agree. And there's an infectiousness with how great of a playmaker Jokic is. Like Gordon made an unbelievable pass yesterday. Where it's like there's no way when he was in Orlando he made a pass like that. I thought uh I've watched a lot of Nuggets this year, as have you, but I've watched a lot of Nuggets. A lot. And I thought You've Jokic, them a lot. I, I love watching Nuggets. And Jokic had a really weird first half. And to me, like, I thought he was burned out in the fourth quarters of game one and game two because he worked so hard in the first three quarters of those games. I felt like he actually ran out of gas in both games. Look how fast he's going off he's, every he's make like, after every miss. Just, he's it was just, nuts. So but no, but you three, know what I love? Real, real quick, though, just because people talk about running, people talk about pushing tempo, yeah, and very few teams it. do it as much as they talk about it. And he, from the jump, is like, I'm running you to death at his own like a lot of guys He's running start the taking, wing too. Right. So go ahead. I, I just thought it was worth just hammering that point. Cause it's game so three, game three, he was way more careful and it was quick. I, I said, I was with my friend Ben and I was like, I know what Jokic is doing. He's saving, he's saving the, uh, saving the tank for the fourth quarter. Now what happens is he ends up getting in foul trouble and is out of the, like, basically seven minutes of third quarter. But when he came back, it was like he had, had like, seven Red Bulls. And he just... <laughs> well, he, he just, sat. Oh, my he God. He sat, like, seven and a half. Look, he, he got subbed out 
because of the fouls, I you know I think it was, was like seven and a half minutes left. Seven and a half minutes, yeah. And it just yeah. seemed like they were dead in the water. It was like and they all, least- it was it was seven twenty four, and then the non Jokic minutes. You're always tracking those in a playoff series, right? Okay, how's that? Because there's certain times you're like, oh man, like again, you know, one of the arguments against his plus minus being that absurd was that the bench was so bad over the regular season. Yeah, <laughs> going that's but they only lost two points. They were only a negative two. In it the was time a he sat for seven and a half minutes of the third quarter at, at LA. And Murray couldn't make a shot anymore. And they were mauling Murray. I mean, just mauling him. And, uh, they weren't getting any calls and they somehow held on. And then when he came back and he, he laid the smack down, it was so impressive. And then there was the LeBron piece of it too. My big argument against the Lakers making the finals was I just didn't see how those two guys would hold up for three series. LeBron, LeBron physically is just, um, he's just a mess. He's not the same guy. And I know he came back from that foot thing, but the explosiveness not there. He doesn't have the lift on his legs. And I think the amount of games that they played, there was a weird vibe in the crowd. I got to say, Rosillo, like there were a couple of times when he was lining up threes where there was kind of the, kind of the no murmur from the crowd. Like, no. Like they, they kind of didn't want him to shoot the threes. They either well, wanted he him to pass it any, in the basket. Well, look, if you don't want to shoot in threes, then like, what do you want him to do? I mean, look, I, I the guess first thing, up. Uh, the post <sighs> stuff it, is good, but he's going to take threes. He has to take threes because there's just, he's not he is, going, though. he's not going to have the sustained energy. And it's something you saw in the regular season where the and, bursts, and in the first two rounds, the bursts are there, right? When he knows he's going downhill. Right. There, there's not much you're going to do. He's still going to make those finishes. I know he had the layup and the missed dunk, whatever. I don't, I don't care about that. Uh, but the constant movement, you know, of, of him cutting off the ball and that kind of stuff, like it's just it's just not going to happen because I don't the think stuff he has he did the in Miami. No, he, he doesn't. He picks his spots, and this is a team you can't really pick your spots. What was really, really, really interesting about that game was more stuff should have run through Reeves. And it was a case of LeBron because he's LeBron and, you know, the ball should run through him. He's one of the greatest players of all time. But Reeves was their best matchup in that game. And really for the series, the Reeves-Davis pick and roll, the high screen with those two guys, with LeBron kind of as a decoy over on the side, was the play that Denver had the most trouble with. And Reeves in general, I mean, he was 7 for 10 yesterday. Um but I just liked everything he did. I, I think he's been a revelation in these playoffs. Like, I, they, there's no chance, zero, that nobody's going to offer him like 80, 90 million bucks. Like, that's just going to happen. He's basically Jeff, taller Jeff Hornish, like reincarnated. Um, but I thought he was kind of the, should have been where the offense ran through. But you can't do that because LeBron's on the team. So there was a little bit of a, who are we moment that I felt like they had in the second half. You can feel it but, in game two, too. But the other guys are the D'Angelo Russell minutes. Um, well, victory lap for you. Well, I knew I was right the whole time, so I wasn't I know. about it. Well, just take uh, take a slow jog. You don't have to sprint. I don't need it. I don't no, need just it. Just take a slow, just take, just do wave, hold the American flag, and just do like a half lap. <laughs> are you saying his style of play is un-American? <laughs> I don't win it. Yeah, it's very Euroleague-ish. Yeah, uh, I I think they've tab- tabled the contract talks for the offseason for uh, for D'Lo. P- 
people were screaming in my section, get him out of here. <laughs> Come on, him, take him out. Like just, there was a lot of vitriol in the stands yesterday. Cause not a lot of Nuggets fans either. It wasn't like the Warriors game where you have like the small percentage of Warriors fans. They were mad at him. They were mad at uh, the LeBron threes. And the ham thing's t- certainly taken a 180 in this city. My Oof. God, people are ready to start calling him the next, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, like, hey, do we have West Coast Spo out here? And it's like, oh, no, this guy sucks. Which, again, he doesn't suck. But I, I thought part of it, because, you know, there's <laughs> there's certainly a revisionist history of, of, like, how you can look at this Lakers playoff run where you go, Memphis is a mess. Memphis, they caught Memphis. They were they were like fucking Chris in the town. <laughs> Speaking of the town, Memphis had a two year old stepchild. They've shined. I tell you what, it's a lot cooler to watch the town four times a week by yourself when you beat Philly. Right. It's a lot. It's a lot worse when you lose. It's like wait, this guy watches the fucking town four times a week, dude. My fucking cousin's in that, and I ain't seen it. So well, uh, here's the thing: if our Celtics coach, and for people who uh, don't know the story, Joe Mazzulla can uh, admitted that he watches the town up to four times a week. What's funny about that is the town ends with them having a terrible plan for the last heist, and everyone dies except Ben Affleck, and who also should have died. But in general, it was, it was really bad planning that led to just uh, a bunch of murders and. I thought it was funny that that's his favorite movie. So does that mean, wait, the Celts will get game four because the town ended up 1-3 in the series? <laughs> it's gonna, I think Joe's going to end up in the same place in the Everglades. The the, the the little house looking out of the water. It worked out. Worked out. See, I'm, I'm sick of my buddies asking me if I'm friends with Missoula because we have so many common interests. Right. Having no family. <laughs> Limited friends, terse, <laughs> the town. into MMA later on in life, like you're proving something to anybody. Snapping at reporters. Right, um, snapping, hating stupid questions. Uh, so, all right, wait, wait. So, I I want to get back to this Lakers part of it because... Wait, before we do that, can I ask you if, are we if doing news came out Missoula? about t- the town too, and it was, it was uh, Doug's been in the Everglades for the last 15 years but ran into an old friend and it's time for one last job. Are you in just from that sentence? I, w- I was in just when I heard the town too. The town is too. It, is it is called Doug, the other working town? A bar? Dougie's working a bar. Maybe Shine shows up. She's 18 now. I think, I think Ben adopts a kid and the kid gets in too deep with a local bookie. In the and Doug's got to get back in, yeah, right. Okay. And Doug, Sounds great. We can we can workshop it anyway. Go back to the Lakers to, to share with the audience, though. Um, I, I think you're going to be okay with this because I just want to share what happened. But Bill sent me a text that something that you know because he has a relationship with Affleck, and it was about the town, and we were talking about the town. And then on the thread, I was like, "Tell Ben," I said, "Hey," and I let it linger for like a couple minutes <laughs> just to see. <laughs> see what my response would be, right? Because I, I think could I just was see, driving, or else I would have had a good response. Because I could just see Bill being like, "All right, you know, I'd like, we do the Sundays, but like, go fuck yourself." God, do I'm I have not, to, do I have to pass not, that along? I'll yeah. do it if he asks the second time. Right, uh, right. The and Lakers. then I, I was, yeah, I was quick follow up. All right, no, I look, I, I feel like I lost my train of thought. I, ha- I know what I would say about the Lakers, but 
since you went, if you have more, I, I, I let me just go after you. So go ahead. You seem to have a point is my point. Like you're something stewing right now. I think this was the best chance they're going to have with this nucleus. Cause I don't see, I don't see LeBron a year from now being in better shape physically and, uh, lift wise than he was this year. And they had a really good chance here. You know, they, I didn't feel like Denver played that well for Denver in either game one or game two. And it really felt like the Nuggets could have blown game one, especially. Um, and now it's three, nothing and the Nuggets are clearly better, but I do feel like the longer that series went along, we've just never seen some of the guys on the Nuggets in that spot, right? Like we've never seen Bruce Brown actually having to make a three in a game seven when you're playing LeBron and those guys. So, but anyway, the, the window's gone and I don't know if I'm the Lakers now what that looks like because now I got to pay Reeves 20 million a year, probably letting Russell go. Maybe you can sign and trade Russell, but I don't even know what the rules so are with who? That, the new CBA. Also, who wants him? And, uh... Like, imagine having to sign Russell to a contract and then going, oh, and we give you stuff? Right. Um, you know, well, again, the West is going to be better. Like, like right. there's a bunch of these teams. Fucking Wembenyama is going to be in this on Spurs next year. They might be better right away. Memphis will be in better shape next year. Denver. I mean, one of the things I was thinking about with Denver, if you if you're just a player watching this at home, how would they not be one of your free agent choices, right? Could Denver start being one of these teams that cherry picks the older veterans and just the same way Kevin Love went to Miami? Could they? Eighth, ninth man, year after year, just people like I want to play with Jokic. That guy's amazing. Um, but on down the line, that the the West is just going to be better next year than it is this year. And I think, from a Lakers standpoint, pretty rough. Which is why I think the Davis and Bead trade that I threw out on uh, Tuesday's pod, I think, would be a pretty interesting one for both sides. And I don't know who says no. And back to the, my point, I like to sign a trade with Russell. I just don't know that you know. I don't. I, Obviously, it's not impossible. We've seen plenty of stuff happen in this league. I just don't know how much of an asset that thing is that you're getting back. It's kind of like the Houston-Philly-Harden stuff where you're like, well, maybe Philly can sign and trade Harden to Houston and you go, why would, for what? For why would Houston give up an asset when they can just use their cap space for the whole thing? So, I mean, that's a different topic, so I'm not going to derail all of this stuff. Uh, you're right about the Lakers because it does feel like this was a, another remarkable kind of individual story where they were dead. Um, but the real the real elixir to all of this was Anthony Davis looking like Anthony Davis again. Okay, yeah. This is why we are so excited about him when he's actually healthy. And in a weird way, I think him being healthy longer allowed him to get over some of the stuff. Like when you're not playing and you get hurt, I know this sounds really simplistic, but when you're not getting, you know, you're getting hurt all the time because you haven't built up any tolerance to kind of the bang of going out there for 30 plus minutes a night. And then kind of once he got through that and he started falling, it was like, oh, no, I actually think he's going to be all right here. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Lakers story, you could be really positive about it where you could say this is an incredible turnaround. They still actually gave themselves a chance. Uh, it was more about AD than it was about any trade, but the trade got a lot of the headlines. I think there's another part of it too. I would say it was like, more about just getting rid of Westbrook more than what they got back, right? It's not like yeah. the three guys from that trade like lit the lit the uh, sky for them, but they got rid of Westbrook. So next year they have Ruiz in RFA, Lonnie Walker's unrestricted, Reeves is an RFA. 
And Russell is a UFA. He's out. So, um, I don't, I, Rui has been kind of a revelation for me. And I don't know whether it's just LeBron dependent, you know? I don't think it has been. I think it's been a lot I would be nervous. But, but when, especially when you see him in person, like he's just a big fucking dude, man. He's like 6'9, 6'10. He can post up. I like his game. I don't know what happened to him in Washington, but, if the worst thing for somebody's career is, I don't know what happened to him in Washington, I could say that about 30 guys, you know? So uh, I think they have to bring him back and I think they have to bring Reeves back. So now you're talking about skyrocketing money. The other thing is you have LeBron as an expiring contract um, who, you know, he's, he's not shy about pushing his way to another situation if he has to. So they're on the clock with him to some degree. His son's going to be at USC next year. I would guess it's one more year, but I'll tell you this, Rosillo. As much as I think the LeBron experience this year was fun for the Laker fans and all that, it is shocking. Repeat, shocking how many Kobe jerseys are at these Laker games. Like by far the most out of, like more Kobe jerseys than all other jerseys combined. And I do wonder, like, you know, this is always going to be the Kobe town and it should be. And that's the way it is. But um, I don't know. I just I wonder, like, if he has a door that could potentially be open at some point or if he decides there's another team or he's trying to plan for a year from now. Like, does he bail on these guys? Because we've seen him do it how many times now? You know, he's always going to do what's best for him, which he should. He's a professional athlete, but he, he will always do what's best for him. And it makes me wonder, like, what happens this summer with this? What if he decides this isn't the place for me this summer? I want to go here. I want to go there. Or you got to do this or I might leave. Like, we've seen him do all this stuff before. Yeah, I think here's a question for you. Would you rather be Golden State next year or the Lakers? I'd rather have Curry than anything else out there. I also think they have real outs. Like they can trade the pool contract if they want. I think Kaminga has real value. I think Moody has value. Um, Clay's an expiring. The the Draymond piece will be interesting about, uh, you know, I do think he's going to have value. Like even if you look at the Spurs, if you're the Spurs, is it worth it to make a run at somebody like that next year? Now that you have Wembenyama, you might actually be good next year. Is it worth it to go get, you've like 40 million in cap space. Is it worth it to drive the price up for somebody like Draymond or Chris Middleton or whoever and try to get a veteran guy for a couple of years at big money? You're making a I face. Don't, I, no, I just, I just don't think, um, despite all the challenges with Draymond and all that stuff, I don't, I don't think that group, I don't, I don't know what that group would look like without him, you know? Would like you follow the, the stories this week? Draymond admitted it and Kerr admitted it. Like pretty openly that the punch changed their season. Like they basically admitted everything we've said all year. You said and, more than I did. So you deserve credit for it. Um, well, I don't deserve any credit because it was obvious. But the question for me is how do you heal the pool thing and whether they just decide to move on from him? Does he have value? I would think he would have value for some of these up and coming teams. You know, he, despite that contract, I still think he's a good scorer and he's been in big games. You know, like what, what would he look like on the Spurs? Uh, see, that's, that's something that, you know, I remember one time we had, uh, Eric Mangini 
And there was a lesson in there. We had him in studio and we were talking about different stuff. And it was like, what do you do when you're this stuck and you're trying to figure out a quarterback? We ended up landing on Matt Castle. Okay. Yeah. And he said, even if your options aren't great and like that's the best you can do, you at least know there's a season or two in there where you're like, the guy played the position. And yeah. even though that season where he filled in for Brady is, I think, comically overrated because the scheduling was a joke and everybody won a ton of games in the NFC East that year, which is another lesson I'm not going to get into here. But it was there was a point that applies to kind of everything. And for us in sports where he goes, at least I know that person has done something like that before. And in this case, it was just the standard of could he be a starting quarterback in the NFL? And the answer for Castle was right, even if he ended up not being that great long term. I think it's the same principle with Jordan Poole that you're talking about. And I agree with you that. As bad as this was, he still at one point last year during that playoff run, you're like, no one can stay in front of this guy. And he's making every shot. Like, look how big his shot making is. And yes, he gets lost on defense. And yes, he turns it over. When Poole has a turnover, especially this year, it was like a monumental turnover. You're like, that the worst possible time you did the worst thing. I mean, I guess over the course of six or seven months, I'd wonder why the punch would still linger. And prevent him from making better decisions. Just seemed like it, it, you know, uh, it went sideways and shit happens. And you and I are both people that have held grudges and let things affect us. And I could totally get it from his side. If I'm the Spurs, I have a million first round picks, right? They have 10 in the next five years. They have some good ones. They have a couple, they have a top six protected from somebody good. They have a couple Celtic picks. They have a swap. Oh, we're on the same page. Like, yeah, as ba- I would as bad do it. As, I would, as bad as it was this year, at least I could sit there if I'm sitting there with my front office going, Okay, what are our options? All right, the free agent market stinks. All right, we have cap space. We have to use it before the escalation of the rookie contracts kick in. You know, we've been drafting all these yeah. guys. So now, like, you're going to see teams spend cap space on, you know, the not even the plan B, maybe the plan C. On Ruby Hachimura for <laughs> $18 million a year. And if you're Golden State and you get out of that pool contract, which you don't want to lose the asset, but if it saves you $90 million in luxury tax and allows you to do to bring back Draymond and do some different things. I think you would think about it. Did we talk about the Nuggets enough? Because uh, I feel like we might have, but I also feel like uh, Jokic is just clearly let's, the best player in the league now. I, that's the only other point let, I really want to make. Me, like, it's no, no. so obvious to me he's the guy now. Yeah, and you know what? They win this whole thing. Like, it looks like they're going to win. I would say... Uh, you know, this is what happens when you win, right? Because remember all the MVP arguments against him, which were really fucking weird from the Embiid camp about Jokic never winning anything. And you're like, well, it's not exactly you well, sitting over there, Mr. Three Rings. Um, well, and then the flip side of that is how just how devastating the Murray injury was for the timing, which we've talked about before. But they lost him before the 21 playoffs and it carried all the way through the 22 playoffs, right? So they lose two postseasons where potentially they could add a run like this in one of those seasons. Who knows? Um, that's a huge what if now when you look at how great Murray is, how he's been in the playoffs as a, like a legit number two guy and then just how special Jokic is. Okay, then I'll ask you, what did you think of Malone calling out D'Angelo Russell and then going off the other night about being disrespected, about the Jokic disrespect, you know, all these different things because it, it felt a little early for him to kind of do a, like a victory lap or maybe that's how confident he was about the matchup. What did you think? I think he was confident about the matchup and trying to give a little backbone to his team. I'm still not 100% in on Malone, but I think he's been pretty good. I was really impressed last night because the thing he did yesterday was make sure that the team didn't get too affected by what was going on with the officiating. 
he he handled most of it when his guys were kind of getting unhinged. He was pulling them in, and there was just a know how with it that, if, for example, like that's some of the stuff that Joe Maz was missing this year. He just hadn't been in the job before. Like he hadn't been in a situation like that. I had a question for you. Um, remember in Rocky Four when uh, when Duke brings they're in the no. cabin in Russia, and Duke brings Rocky up. And he gives him the speech, when Apollo died, a part of me died too. But now you're the one. You're the one who has to make sure his dreams. And he gives him a whole like pep talk thing. Did you do that with Jeff Green? Did you say, Jeff, when Chris Paul's title dreams died, again, a part of me died too. But now you're the one, Jeff Green. You're the one, you're the one who's going to make Chris's dreams not go for naught. I believe in you. You're my guy. I feel like Jeff's the one I know I'd be happy with and be a good parent, but Chris was the one that really revved my engine. Chris was your literal Chris in the town. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's not, that's not a coincidence. <laughs> Jeff Graydon would still feel pretty good though. Get a nice hey. three yesterday. Also, I thought he did a great job guarding LeBron. And he, the refs, of course, gave no respect at all. LeBron, it, one of my things for the league, and that there's no way to look at this, but can we just, can we crack down on out-of-control dribblers? Like, we, we now have this thing where these guys, they, they can just, basically, you go downhill, you're out of control, you flail your arms into somebody, they can't do anything, and it's a foul on the guy. It's, and it's now this glitch in the system that the really smart players like LeBron just know how to do. And I thought a couple times yesterday, Jeff Green like defended him perfectly and still got, it's like, what else is this fucking guy going to do? He's moving, move his legs, he's in the way. What He's not touching. What else, what, what other options does he have? I hate right. out of control dribbling. No, you're right. And I, you know, it's been a, a thing for me the last couple of years where as much as I was complaining about the charge stuff where I think there's a change. That's why I kind of can't believe they overturned the Lowry one, the Tony right. brothers, who, by the way, was voted the best official by the players, the anonymous athletic poll, which I think is always important to bring up because I feel like every night, you know, it's another thing. And I, I was I suspicious I, of that poll, but I'll, I'll, I promise to get back to this. There are now official announcements where it'll go, oh, Zach Zarba and the Kings are one in seven in his last eight. Right. Pretty small go, sample size. Okay. Now what? Like now, now, what what am I supposed to do? Like I know some of the Scott Foster ones have been weird, but there was a Chris know, Paul one where it was like sixteen in a row. That, it was if pretty it gets bad. The sixteen there, in a row. That right. could, yeah. But because of the Scott Foster one being so interesting and seeming to be like mathematically, that doesn't make a ton of sense. I think there's now promotion of ones that mathematically make all the sense in the world. You're yeah. Like, oh, okay. So you got Tyler Ford for the last ten games, and you're you're two and eight, like. Right. I, Instead of I five bet, and five. I bet that's happened. I bet that's <laughs> happened. And, and for the Scott Foster part of it last night when you were there and you've brought up the refs a bunch of times. I think the Lakers, you know, I had two issues. The refs are awful. I thought there were two games against Golden State where I go, I, OK, well, then Golden State's not going to win this game. I, you know, I know the, the free throw differential was part of it between Golden State and the way they played and the way the Lakers played. But there was one game where it was so absurd. But then even last night, as I'm watching it play out, knowing what everybody's going to say if the Lakers will pull that off, there was a monumental call 
against Schroeder yanking Jokic's arms where Foster was the furthest away from it. But Schroeder pulls so much shit yeah. in the course of games. Like, it was funny because even though, look, the Warriors lose and Jermichael Green puts a cap on LeBron on his post because LeBron's like, we don't flop, we don't flop. It's like, actually, the Lakers, between Russell, between Schroeder, and actually Reeves flops all the time. Like, they have some all-time Reeves floppers. Is excellent at it. I yeah, think he's no. like the uh, new flapper of the year. Rookie flapper of the year. Is that an award? Yeah. Well, he'd have to be a rookie, too. Well, but... man, like, like for, or maybe newcomer, <laughs> flopping newcomer of the year. No, dude. <laughs> Best new Should star. We bring back... Breakthrough. Breakthrough Why flopper athlete. Why is there athlete? no junior challenge? Uh, Breakthrough I... flopper. Who was it? Who was it the other day? It was a player. It was like we need third team all defense so that kids are more inspired to play defense. But like, yeah, there's a ton of kids in a playground right mm. now going, I don't play any D because there's no third team. NBA doesn't recognize it. Uh, there was a huge that was a huge, huge call and it led to free throws. And I thought, hey, if the fix was in, right, why does Foster great call call that foul? That foul was enormous at the time. And it, it was definitely was that, a foul. It was obvious in person. Well, it was he definitely pulled it a backwards, foul. Yeah. But the, the small guys always win against the big guys. They can pull all sorts of shit against them. I think there was a point. Oh, Flea didn't like... I See, there's another thing. I'm very, very pro-Bill on your basketball thoughts, the, the culmination of them. I thought you made a great point for Game 3. You were like, LeBron should defend Jokic more because the officials are not going to call it on LeBron. And you know yeah. what? You're right. There's just a level of respect. It happens. People can pretend it doesn't. It absolutely happens. Flea came right at you. Tell them, My Bob. guy Flea did? What did he say? You didn't see his tweet? He goes, that's no. bullshit, Bill. Flea was in your business. Oh, and then some shit. Guy, some guy said to Flea, he's like, you mad, bro? And Flea said, yes, I am. <laughs> I miss this. <laughs> which is an unbelievable comeback. My which guy only Flea. is only behind, what horror movie is it where they're playing softball and the guy's like, eat shit and die. And the guy goes, eat shit and live. <laughs> <laughs> you mad, bro? <laughs> He said I have you one mad. for you. Flea, Flea said, yes, I am mad. But Flea was super mad at you. And I actually thought, I, I read the tweet. I was coming back from the combine and I went, I think it's a great point. Another one for Bill. Thanks. I, I Occasionally I have one. All right. One last thing I had for you, So At the game yesterday, Jack Nicholson sent front row with his son, who I'm completely fascinated by. Can't Why? get enough of that guy. Yeah, he just looks like he there. he's like a cross between like, Roman Roy and Connor Roy. Um, Eddie Murphy sitting across courtside next to Katzenberg. Left at halftime, FYI. Denzel Washington there as well. Eddie Murphy looks great. Eddie Murphy looks great. Denzel Washington's there. And LeBron James is playing. If you had to rank those people, because those are four, I think, of the most famous celebrities we have, Right. If you had to rank the fame, what would be your ranking? One through four. Denzel one, LeBron two, Jack three, Eddie Murphy four. Jack over Eddie. Yeah, because I think the mistake people are going to make, like, are you kidding me? Jack's been doing it such a long time. You have to understand the same way we don't know anybody in music that's new for the last 10 years. Anyone what? like 30 and younger is like, who's that guy? Right. Right. And then Eddie Murphy's, in movies. I just knew Eddie, him as the guy who sits in the front row Lakers. Eddie Murphy's clearly fourth. Cause his run 
it's great that he's, you know, hanging out and everything, but his peak is so far in the rearview mirror now. And see, then, I think I would have Eddie over Jack. I would go, uh, I would go LeBron, Denzel, Eddie. I'd go Jack fourth because Jack really like he hasn't made a huh? ton of movies the last 30 years. No. Eddie's he got hasn't. like a couple rewatchable movies, like 48 Hours, Trading Places, both Beverly Hills Cops, Coming to America. Does anyone under 40 watch those movies? He's got those kids movies that uh, every kid has watched all those weird movies like Norbert and Norbert and all, all those ones. Whereas Jack, Welcome like, to the Norberts. Is anyone under 25 Shrek? watching Jack Nicholson movies? Like is somebody in the ninth grade going, oh, I was watching Chinatown last night. Crazy <laughs> ending. <laughs> is anybody... Under fifty, <laughs> right. watching China. You know what I, I think watched Jack's the other night? famous. Uh, I I would disagree on the Denzel Lebron thing because so you have is, Lebron over Denzel or vice versa. I'd have Denzel one, and I, I you have Lebron one. And my point would be, I think those of us that are in sports think like, now nah, that's ridiculous. Like Lebron's global, or whatever. Denzel's got like almost two decades on him, decade and a half, and he's still doing stuff. And I think the person. That I actually think actors at the top of their game, I would always say that that person's more famous than the athlete, unless we're talking about like international soccer, because there are so still so many people in our lives that will be like, yeah, that person doesn't even follow sports or doesn't know anything about it. Yeah. I think there's a bigger group of people that don't follow sports that would be like, again, who's LeBron sounds like a ridiculous question, but I, I, I feel like more people would know Denzel's work. Have you ever sat in an airplane where there were a couple other sports media people and wondered if the plane crashed, would you be ahead of them or behind them in the in the article about the plane crash? Yeah, Vern Lundquist and I. Yeah, I, Vern I do that every time. All right, who would you have been behind that you were on a plane with? No, I just see people. I'm like, oh shit! Like, Katie Couric's on this plane. I think she's ahead of me. Yeah, I think she's ahead of you. Vern Lundquist was definitely ahead of me. We took a quick. Puddle jumper over. <laughs> yeah. You like see Steve Levy, you're like, hmm, I might have a nudge on Levy. My buddies do it all the time with the UVM thing. They're like between you, Dirks Bentley, and Martin St. Louis. And I was like, well, first of all, I'm definitely not catching Dirks. Right. Like, well, I would never put a never put a salary cap on your life, but right now I'm not I'm behind I'm behind a guy who's been a country star for 20 years. St. Louis, Hall of Famer, Stanley Cup. MVP. I don't know. Our Sunday now, night podcast mean a lot to people. Yeah. You have, you coach, have a great show. Head coach of the Canadians. What if you uh, rank the town too with Affleck? The I'm already thinking about it. I got, Everglades. I, I got distracted for like five minutes because I was thinking about. <laughs> I can tell you, you're thinking about how, how shine, who's going to play shine. Shine comes have to back. Call up Basil. Be like, Hey, what do you think about this? <laughs> Uh, cause I was actually going to have you hit up Affleck and be like, Rosilla wants to know where, like if Chris is seeing anybody <laughs> and then he'll have to say, it's actually just an actress. Fergie's flower real- shop. Does it stay a flower shop or does it become something else? Like a deli? It was a good space. It's right in Charlestown. Is he screwing up gone baby gone where we used real locals? Be like Chris wasn't a local. <laughs> Tell him that. <laughs> and it's, Chris was the uh, the platonic ideal of of what you get out of a local. Um, all right, I think we hit everything. Celtics are done. The Lakers are done. We're headed for a Miami Denver finals. I guess if you had to pick 
one team to come back from 03? Would you take the Celtics or the Lakers? <laughs> you have to pick one. Uh, I would pick the Celtics because I still, you know, like I, I had a million things, you know, we weren't going to get to all of it tonight because I'm sitting here going like, how did you, how were you so dismissive of Miami? I was like, I know why I was so dismissive of Miami and it's going to be as wrong as I've been about an NBA team in my career. But I don't think you uh, can even feel bad about that. Like they were no, in I the don't. first round, they were like 10 to one underdogs, right? In the, in the, in the second round, they were underdogs. The third round, they were plus 450 against Celtics. They weren't even, they won game one. They still weren't favored. They weren't favored tonight. They're minus four and a half. No, and that's my rule is that there's no way you can fake the desperation of the of the team that's down 0-2 unless they're just way worse than you, which, you know, I still don't Or they're believe. dead inside like the like Celtics I, team. I would ask like Heat fans, although I know the answer now, they would just say no. But like if, if in a weird world of sports where all of a sudden you could have your roster, you could have the Celtics roster, like who would you rather have? Now Heat fans would probably have to watch game three and be like, I'm good. We're good. We don't need it. Uh but like, also, I was thinking Miami, about go ahead. I was just Miami Denver is an incredible uh travel finals. Oh, it's a great one. It's like it's one of the best one. ones we've ever had. Low high. Right? Just yeah. like such a such like a contrast in a good way of two really fun cities to go visit. Cherry Creek, Halcyon, Pura Vida. I guess the one thing berries, we talk, berries of Denver. Well, the one thing we didn't talk about was what this would mean for Butler if he actually like won the finals. I mean, it'd be one of the craziest achievements in any sport, not just basketball, right? If they, oh, if this well, team this wins is, yeah. the title, <laughs> this would be, I don't even know what we would compare it to, especially in basketball. Like you would have like the 2011 Dirk season and stuff like that. But it, I mean, even that 2011 Mavs team was probably more talented than this team without Hero. This team lost a 22-point score and won three straight rounds. And still, and still is getting to the NBA Finals. And that, uh, that's the point where it's like, is Hero going to play when he comes back? I don't know. Or he'll come back and score 30 a game. Like, nothing, all bets are off with this team. Although, it sounds like if we can get a game five between Denver and L.A., Mo Bamba is back. So oh, I saw that. We want to Just got to get to five. It was, you want to talk about one of the most pointless health updates I've ever seen. Like just don't even update. don't even tell anybody. Just if it happens, great. Hmm. Um, you went to the combine. We didn't get to talk about that, but I'm sure you'll talk about it on your pod. We will be back on Sunday, which will probably not have any sort of game. So we'll have to figure out what we do next Sunday. Maybe we'll. I do, know what we're going to do. We'll do I'll, some I'll, sort of gimmick, right? We'll talk about I, it. I already don't have spoil it for the don't spoil no, no, it for the listeners. I'm not. I'm not. Don't we'll do a it. really fun gimmick for next Sunday because we also have the succession <laughs> season finale next Sunday. I want to, you know what I want to do? Rewatchable Vertigo. I watched it on the plane ride back from the combine. How was it? I wonder if people in 1958, when it came out, thought the ending was like a real Kaiser Sose moment. Huh. Have I haven't you seen, seen it? it so long. I don't even remember what happens. Well, you know what I did is I forgot that. What's the other one? Rearview Mirror? Yeah. Rear, rear view window. Uh, yeah. Not mirror. Rear. No, rear window. Rear window. Yeah. That's the one I loved when I was a kid. Yeah. And Vertigo, you know, it's Hitchcock. There's just awesome stuff in there. And you get Jimmy Stewart. But uh, I, I'd imagine younger people would be like, people 
thought this was like amazing. You were like, well, it was 65 years ago. So, you know. know, The cutoff is like 1972-ish for, you take any movie before then, it gets pretty tough to watch. Just the pace is different. Everything seems off the way they film it. And her, no. Kyle's got to put this up. Uh, Okay. Rosillo, I wish I could say this one was a pleasure. It really wasn't. My team is uh, in complete chaos. Hey, hey, at least you had Philadelphia. (laughs) Right. At least we broke we broke that uh that tough Sixers team. Uh the podcast was produced by Kyle Creighton. You can listen to Rosillo on Tuesday morning and I'll be back on uh on Tuesday night. We'll see if we have games or not. Thanks, Rosillo. 